Edna was walking down the street with her bag of groceries when she passed the automobile. There was a sign in the side window. Woman wanted. Lightning recap. In Charles Bukowski's Loneliness, a woman meets a man and regrets it. You've got a little time. We've got a little podcast. Yes, it is. The short story, a short podcast. I am Christopher J. Garcia, here today with... Christy L. Baxter. And uh, Christy L. Baxter, let us talk about what we read this week, because I think, I think we read the same thing. We did, because we're, we're brain twins like that when it comes to literature. Nothing else, but just literature. And so we read A Loneliness by Charles Bukowski. Yes, that is the only thing because you prefer cake to pie and I do not understand it. No, uh, you, you have me way wrong. I'm, I've been team pie all my life. See, we disagree about that too. Um, <laughs> this story, this is the first Bukowski we've covered. And if you have not read much Bukowski, let me give you a content warning. <laughs> Rampant misogyny. Oh, yeah. Excessive drinking, drug use, and a desperate desire to be William S. Burroughs. <laughs> Ooh, there's some shade, and it is truthful. <laughs> and that's not to say his stuff is not really enjoyable, or at least good. Okay, yeah. Objectively uh, speaking, I would say it's good. From a personal subjective standpoint, um, it's not my deal. Yeah, and it's interesting because I find Bukowski most digestible in the short form. And I think this is actually one of the more interesting stories because I think this may be, and hold on to your horse, I think this may be a bit of self-awareness from a man not known for self-awareness. <laughs> yeah, could be, could be. It feels like he uh, reached down into the depths and was a little truthful with himself, uh, which honestly can be scary sometimes to write as a person or to read as a person who reads. Yeah, exactly. Especially if you're a drunk or a junkie. Uh, yeah. But uh, this is the story of, it's more than just a story of a bad date, because this often gets sort of referred to as the bad date story. I think it's more about how a ill-conceived man <laughs> tries to go about finding happiness outside of themselves. And failing miserably. <laughs> oh, yes. It is a, I mean, it's, it's a valiant attempt, I guess. A weird one, but a valiant attempt. But yeah, it does not, does not work out here. Um, and, you know, I think, I think part of it is because he he's just sucks as a human being. You know, that might be part of the reason. So that's my diagnosis. That, Dr. Baxter, that's highly, highly, highly irregular. Um, Excuse me, it's Dr. Lubaxter. 
Oh, sorry, Dr. LeBaxter, yes. Um, and it's obviously not lupus. Um, but I think one of the elements here is we're, we're given it at the very opening of this. If you wrote this story today, of course, it would be a terrible Tinder date. Uh, you swipe left on the wrong person. But here it is literally a window in the side of a car. Okay. You, you cannot get lower rent. <laughs> No, you're, you're correct about that. Like, won't even pay, like, I don't know, a buck or two to put a, an ad in the newspaper. Um, or maybe he has done that and the newspapers have stopped allowing him to because they got too many complaints. That's <laughs> yeah. my new headcanon. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good headcanon. <laughs> but it, it's weird that we are set up to believe that this guy is not going to be a good guy. Like from the get-go, we know that's going to happen. I don't think we knew exactly how terrible a dude he was going to be. No, we were, we were sort of eased into that, but the warning signs were there from the beginning. Uh, so, I mean, with, the, with just the, the low rent attempt to draw someone in, <laughs> you know? So um, it was kind of, it, it was it was definitely a hint that this was not somebody who was is going to be uh, a great date. Yeah, and I think the whole way through, there's sort of this dichotomy of low effort until it is to get a gratification, and I think that sort of back and forth. And this is sort of why I think this is actually a little more uh, of Bukowski recognizing in himself his problems is that the, the only rectification for that is an external force directly to the groin. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, she does manage to get herself out of there. It's a little nerve wracking up until that point. Um, I mean, even just when she goes into the, the apartment, like, you know, contacts him and then goes to the apartment, it's nerve wracking because this is, I mean, 50 years on, we know this is a dangerous thing to do. Um, but this was written in the age when hitchhiking was still pretty common. And, you know, like it, it, strangers were just friends you hadn't made yet. <laughs> like. <laughs> Yes. Uh, where would true crime podcasts be without the 70s and let in the gasoline? Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. Nowhere. That's fair. Yeah. We get, I think, a great view of not necessarily the depths of the dude's depravity. And depravity is probably not even the right word. It's just self selfishness i guess would probably be the best like no consideration or conceptualization of how their presentation how their actions affect another person only what it does for them it's really funny that that is very true i believe um but it's really funny that you pinpointed this as a story where maybe bukowski is being self-aware and he writes the least self-aware character Mm -hmm. And that's, and I think that that's sort of part of, I think he's, I literally think he's writing himself mm -hmm. as like most writers do, except for me. I've never done that in my life. 
same. Now I'm, 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 I would never write myself. I'm, I'm too dull. I would, I would not keep the reader's attention at all. They'd be like, who's, who's this bitch? I'm, I'm going somewhere else. Yeah. And I don't write about serial killers, so I can't. Um, <laughs> I, I, what also is interesting is that we get a view of Edna that isn't particularly detailed. And I wouldn't expect that because most of the characters in uh, Bukowski's work, the characters who are seen as sort of secondary or not the main characters tend to be not necessarily sketches, but decent drawings. Um, And I think part of that is Bukowski's desire to be more sort of minimalistic, not particularly Baroque, unless he's mimicking the Baroque period that uh, Baroque went through. <laughs> and I think you see a lot of stories, and this is one of another thing about, you know, the obvious Burroughs' niche of Bukowski, is that at times Burroughs became very self-aware, but self-aware of the fantastical within him. And here I think we're seeing Bukowski becoming more self-aware of the horror within him, honestly. Yeah, yeah, it definitely is horror. I have a curious question to ask you. Who exactly do you think is the main character of the story? Oh, now see, that's a very good question. And I'm gonna say, hmm, I think Edna could be, but I, Ooh, that's a tough one. It is tough, but I, I I lean towards Edna just because she's the one that faces adversity and and has to find a way around it and escapes danger and all of that. Um, do I think that that was what Bukowski intended? Uh, yeah. You I'm might not be sure. right. You definitely might be right there. And I think the other... You have the... You could look at it as from the uh, the pusher-puller theory where he is definitely the one providing the push that leads to the reaction. But it's the, and it's the reaction that leads to the story, so that would push it towards her. But you could also push it towards a the one who gets the most... Dis- not necessarily description, but most literally action in the story and i would say that would be him it could also be that this is a story without a single main character but a situation as the sort of the the premature of the whole thing yeah yeah that could be it it's just the kind of the scenario that they find themselves in um <clears throat> yeah uh i still fall down on the the edna side just because i feel like we get to know her the best um just from her actions and reactions. Mm-hmm. And she is a lot smarter than, well, one, him for sure. <laughs> but two, a lot smarter than a lot of characters who encounter this type of, you know, if you go back to where you're going, where have you been? She's not particularly smart about their encounter. Yeah, she's also quite young in that story. That's true. And Edna's says I want to say forty. Yeah, I wanted to say forty. Um. Yeah. 
She definitely, I mean, I'm not saying that she's stupid. No. Um, uh, but she definitely was lucky not to end up uh, dismembered in, in his closet or something. Uh, it, 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 she was 37 and, as Bukowski puts it, on the fat side. Yeah, that's right. Uh, that's the that- description we get. Edna was 37 and on the fat side. I remember being 37 and on the fat side. <laughs> Sigh. <laughs> that one of the interesting aspects also of a story like this is you can look at it as a cautionary tale. You know, this is the thing that could happen to you. I don't think that's what Bukowski was writing. But I think that's what ended up coming out of this. Yeah, it's that funny thing that happens sometimes with writers where the story you had in your head is not the one that ends up on the page, whether that be because something unexpected um, moves the story in a different direction or a character takes over. I honestly wonder if that might be the case here, if that he intended for Joe to be the main character, but then Edna you know, partially by virtue of being the POV character, uh, became the protagonist here. Yeah, that could actually, that could well be. I also think that time may play an aspect in it. That now when we are reading uh, short stories, we have a better ability to look at the different ways in which characters interact with the story and with the readers themselves. And that the reading of this story today would be very different than it would be in the 70s. Because I think this was the 70s, I think. Yeah, I think it was 1972 ish, 73, somewhere around there. Um, I looked it up because I was curious about that very thing that the sign that he puts (laughs) in the car. I was like, surely they had personal ads around then. And then, so I happened to look it up and Wikipedia had an example of a personal ad from 1914. So, guess what? I spent the rest of the day. (laughs) looking at old newspaper personal ads (laughs) tell me that's an episode of old tiny crimey um i've got enough probably for an episode uh so that it that might happen yeah there's some good weird stuff in there it gets weird oh yeah well i mean then also we had the uh was it the lonely heart killer uh yeah lonely heart killer uh that was i want to say 1930s yeah, I think that sounds about right. I think it was before the war, but not too far before the war. Mm-hmm. And not before the War of 1812. <laughs> Definitely not before that one. Nothing happened before the War of 1812. It was, it was History is a blank. No, nothing. Well, that's not true. Egyptology happened. That's all. All right, fine. Just that. That's all I allow. Agreed. <laughs> so got anything else on this one? Um, just that it's, I think, one of the, the hallmarks here is... Um, and I'm, I'm going to put this in an oblique way, but considering what I've already said, it's funny. Uh, he doesn't romanticize characters and appearance. Um, this is not like watching a show on like, I don't know, the CW or something where, you know, everybody's uh, pretty and skinny. And, you know, this is like watching a show. I don't even know what channel to pick, honestly, because they're all <laughs> full of pretty skinny people. But there's a there's a certain amount I can appreciate as much as 
I get irritated by, you know, 37 and on the fat side, I can also um, appreciate the, the bald truth of it and the honesty of it. Uh, so that's something at least, even if it, you know, makes me want to diet. <laughs> it, you know what's interesting? Is I think he was writing what was beautiful characters to him. Yeah, yeah, it's entirely possible. I think you're right. There is a certain amount of, I don't want to call it lovingness in the description of Edna, but affection maybe. Yeah, uh, something of a of a romanticization or a uh, an admiration. I think is probably the closest I could get to. Yeah, sure. Um. Because emotionally crippled writers are known for their admiration. That's about it. <laughs> you are correct, sir. Yeah. And I mean, this is also a story that predates our current concept of incels, yet that seems to be exactly the story it's telling. Oh my gosh, he is so incel Yes, yes. Joe would be like the king of the red pills or something right now. <laughs> Joe was a man out of time. He should have been. He should have been in our time because he would have fit right in. Uh, the internet. Uh, hey, 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 Christy. Yes. Maybe we should read a story. I think you know. It's not something we do very often, but I think the time is right. Yes, it's winter. I want to cozy up with a nice cup of cocoa in a, in a comfy chair with a fire crackling and a story in front of me. Ooh, a story. What, what story could we read? How about Chitali Sends the Catholics, published in Electric Lit? Electric Lit. I love the Electric Lit. Well... In that case, I guess we're short story. I suppose we're short podcast. Sure we are. <laughs> <laughs>